0: Welcome to the American Rugby Show. This is the MLR Breakdown. I am Alex Corbacera, one of your hosts, joined by the most capped eagle in USA rugby history and a member of the 2021 USA Rugby Hall of Fame class, none other than Todd Clever. Todd, welcome to the show. Uh, round 17 of the MLRs in the books, mate, and uh, it's heating up now as we're in that runoff to the playoffs.
1: You know what? I mean, up until this last week, it was a flip of coins, you know, guessing this, guessing that Uh, predictions were way off, but uh, there was a number of teams in the hunt. Um, You know what? We have one week to go and we are pretty certain on who and where the semifinals are going to be played at. Um, But nonetheless, it was an exciting round and got some good action. Overall, what were your thoughts on this round?
0: Yeah, mate, I, I think you nailed it. I think the big story coming out is that we now know that the the destination of the semifinals, it's in the West Conference, it's going to be L.A., And in the Eastern Conference, it's going to be Atlanta. What's still to up for grabs right now is that number two spot in the East. Nola losing to Seattle makes it much more likely that Rooney are going to go through. But it still leaves the door open for them in a showdown in New York. So we're down to the wire. And on the West Coast, we get some certainty now with LA securing that top seed, which means that if they do... Um, make it to the final the final will be at the Coliseum they have the home seed and they in the Western Conference final and they know they're playing Utah as well so we got a lot sort of secured that Utah came from that last uh, second last try from them securing the uh, the bonus point try that got them the extra point they needed which ruled Austin out especially as Austin got no points against LA so we're pretty much to the playoffs mate But there's still, you know, that last little sort of crawl of of Nola versus uh, New York to get through before we properly see it.
1: No, exactly right. I mean, what are the chances? I mean, the the road warriors, you know, Nola Gold winning on the road, left and right, up and down, just taking it on. And this was probably the... team that they were least worried about, you know, uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, whenever, before they started it. And, uh, you know what you called it, you said Seattle was going to take a scalp. They were improving, they were doing it and, uh, they got it done and they got it done in fashion. I mean, you know, the crowd was there great day in Seattle and, uh, some big names and definitely big players and shut them out and, and uh, probably ended their season.
0: Yeah, absolutely, mate. So, uh, you know, that's a little debrief already done. Uh, so, why don't we uh, get stuck into it and get into the actual breakdown? And now, a word from our sponsor Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts.
1: MLR Breakdown, round 17. First game we'll talk about is New York hosting Houston. Don't know if we need to talk too much in depth of it. Most people knew what the score was going to go. New York wanting that playoff spot, needing that playoff spot, needed the victory. Um, and Houston has been another speed bump. Uh, just slowed them down a little bit, but it's pretty easy to get through. What were your uh, takes on this, one, Corbs?
0: Uh, New York are back and they're rolling. Andy Andy Ellis is back from injury with a bang, and and they're starting to look back to their best. And it was... a comfortable win against Houston, and, and there was notable things. I think, you know, Belacana scored early for Houston, which, you know, for a split second, you're like, oh, wow, you know, is this going to be an upset or something of New York turned up? But after that, that try seemed to be a formality as New York sort of stomped their authority. You had Fawcett and Ellis both scoring two tries, um, I, and, and I like the sort of the, the variety in their game. You know that they can be very aggressive, physical, tough to tough to take on in the 22 strong driving mall game even though they've been missing Savetta and brakeley who are the real engine room of that pack I kind of like the, the ability that they've actually looked more dangerous from further out you know the Thaka Balavu try uh, sensational try just missed out on this week's Gillies try of the week but we'll still break it down you
1: threw the dummy you know it that try was brilliant I thought it was gonna make it but you are the boss so I'll let you walk <laughs> it walk us through it uh, I'm not the boss but yeah I, I had override it and
0: you'll see why later in the show but this try sort of had a bit of everything you know in their own 22 you know playing off nine dummy the the, the, the pot off the forwards and go straight behind out the back. play off 10, Hollingshead hits that pot up in the middle there and it's a little tip that breaks Fawcett away. Fawcett with the line break finds the you know the veteran Andy Ellis who calm, collectively, savagely finds Bonasso. Another long range, rangy run from Bonasso showing that pace and athleticism and he finds Thakabalavi who puts it away in the corner and that was almost this week's Gillies try of the week but that was a sensational try and it just kind of sums up a lot of what New York are doing well. I think they've just gradually added layers to their game. We know they have that tight pick-and-go game, like I just said. They're scoring these expansive tries for further out. Their ability to offload and keep the ball alive from line breaks is very exciting. Their kicking game is pretty solid. Their defense, we know they can battle. This is a team that I think are going to be tried and tested come the playoff times. And I, I honestly, you've got to think they're going to play Atlanta in that matchup. And I think they're starting to show the tools and the physicality that they will be a tough test in the East. And even the fact they have to go away for that semi-final, they're going to take some stopping.
1: No, 100 percent. But they are looking good. They got the job done on the uh, last round and into the finals.
0: And Todd, I think the other thing noteworthy is, you know, obviously another disappointing season for Houston. But they are riding a wave of big news and announcement that Heineken Meyer is going to be their head coach for next year.
1: I mean that is huge news. I mean you see you see that on all the channels all the rugby uh adverts on and he's coming over and it's what he's going to bring that wealth of knowledge that experience and also the players that trust him that want to play with him. So um, I can already think of a few players that, uh, that I can see wearing those Sabercats jerseys, uh, switching over from Springbok yeah. or the Bulls uh, coming over from the Sabercats. So, I mean, I even saw a, a meme. One of my South African friends sent a meme like, oh, it was Sabercats, it's going to be SaberBulls now. Yeah. So, so I mean, it, it, that's the kind of press that MLR is getting. Right? People are really, you know, into it and exciting news. And, uh, you know, you hope for the sake of MLR that uh, that is going to make a big difference. And I think we'll make a difference uh so they are competitive side so they're not sitting on that bottom of the table
0: yeah i, I agree mate because they have so much potential there they have the ground uh you know they have you know all the the facility they have that they, they've got an ownership group that's very invested in this they just need the on-field product to sort of get up to speed of where the rest of the thing is bringing a big name like this is great i need to see the support staff and who's around them and the coaches he brings in i think it's key to have some keep you know some of your sort of home american coaches in there that have a real idea of what's going on on the ground and then you bring your international sort of intellectual property in for the actual coaching and the on-field products so if they get that balance right there's no doubt there's going to be some uh, big south african beef uh, you know they like everything bigger and better in texas and i can i can you know imagine there's going to be some physical uh, south africans uh, heading their way to houston in the future so uh, you know hopefully the future looks brighter for them
1: Round 17 action, we have DC hosting San Diego. San Diego's last game of the season. And uh, you know what, They, they had a great performance last week. They couldn't bring it this week. DC handled them, winning 38 to 29 with uh, with some remarkable stuff. I mean, Corbs, what do you got for us on this one?
0: This is an exciting game. I, I thought, you know, San Diego looking to finish their season on a high wasn't meant to be, but very strong, uh, resilient performance from the OG. This game was pretty exciting back and forth. And Gali, with the first try, uh, came from lovely bit of forwards play, offload, you know, just a pot of nine offloads the ball they keep it alive gets back on his feet another offload from brown and finishes it in the corner sensational stuff there and i know you really appreciated that try as well todd
1: I mean, it, it was it good enough for this or no? No,
0: no, I had to shut you down again. It's, it's, it's a second choice I had to shut down as well. Unfortunately, uh, it didn't get the Gillies try
1: of the week. But it, but it was a I good mean, start. It, it was a great start. I mean, did you see, I mean, the, the big boys taking on the mismatches, the offload, the vision, patience, all that sort of thing score in the corner now it was it, it's got to be up there so the try of the week must be good yeah but, uh, more on more on, the, more on this game tell us more the about this game is
0: building for the, the try of the week obviously but you know I, I think as well the directness and the physicality of the forwards in this game were it was impressive because that's one of the areas where San Diego are toughest and, and I thought San Diego responded well the Africa try was with a nice little finish in the corner prior giving him the offload there that puts him away in the corner and You know, that was San Diego. A lot of their tries came off transition or like quick strike attack. There's the Kenny Nagasagege try, which is, you know, a pick and go, but it comes off a line break from uh, Nate Orsberger that got them down there and they used the physicality. Paddy Ryan try was after good pressure in the 22, you know, and finally goes for the tap and go. They've been frustrated not getting the reward. Tap and go and the big man gets his way over. Uh, the Basson try was, was lovely. Front football, ball, um, you know, out the back. And then it was Clark uh, to Africa to then Basson to finish. And I thought that was sensational work. But it, it, but it's actually the tries from, from the OGs that get the game done. I think it was, you know, the most clinical they've looked. Uh, I think their ability to sort of keep Finding ways to score and bouncing back in this game was vital. In other games, when they've been in these sort of neck and neck games, they eventually fizzle out and let the sort of other team sort of finish strong. This time, they did it really well. Uh, Mungo Mason had a great try with a spilt ball and a lovely individual finish to, to, for the for the back rower to have the pace to finish that one off as well. I know you would have liked that, Todd.
1: Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. I wish I could say I could do the same thing, but uh, way way too good for me.
0: And then then it was, yeah, the physicality as well. Browns pick off the scrum there. A good scrum tussle all day in this game. I really enjoyed it. And a strong number eight pick there to get them over. And then finally, as well, the last try was it was a scrum against the head, get the ball back, and uh, and they get the pick and go over, and they score as well, and and that sort of off thirty eight to twenty four. San Diego did get a try right at the end from Malcolm, but but this was OG's game by that point, and I think the emphasis to play for any minutes was probably the biggest strength that uh, Andrew Douglas and his team will take from that. That they've shown patches of greatness all season, but just haven't been able to string it together consistently in eighty minute games to get the wins or, or, or to get the results they deserve this season. And uh they've got one more game to go this year, but to, to, to be at home and to finish there with a win will be great for them.
1: That, like I like I mentioned, the Bigger Four, San Diego, that was their last game. So you know what? Their their season is done. They can uh the executives, management and uh and players can uh can relax or not relax and get back straight to work. But uh you know, hopefully hopefully we see the old we saw a glimpse of them through the season but uh, they just weren't the same uh, Legion that uh, that we're used to. So that was unfortunate. But, yeah. uh, you know, all the best for them in their offseason.
0: Yeah, weary Legion will be looking uh, forward to sort of hanging their, their boots up for the season, sending off some of the guys back uh, to wherever they live internationally, uh, you know, with a nice sort of team bonding send-off, I'm sure. But they'll be looking to put this season behind them and to come back next year uh, with a vengeance.
1: Round 17, L.A hosting the austin ags man what a game brotherly love brotherly hate you know you don't want to be uh be losing to your younger or older brother but this was uh this was the game um you know what austin came out they defended well they played well i was lucky enough to be on the sideline for it and and watching the warm-ups talking to both sides they both wanted it and uh and 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 it came down to it i mean Austin was up 17-12 uh, to 12 at halftime, um, and L.A. just kind of came out. I talked to uh, the bench, talked to assistant coaches, what needed to be done. They needed to focus on that next 10 minutes and that, carry on that extra 10 minutes to it. And they shut him out for that whole second half, ending the game 31-17 to 17 to L.A. Guiltini's victory. I mean, what a game. Talk to me about it.
0: The Gillcrest sibling rivalry continues. And it was it was a good one, mate. It was a spicy encounter. And, you know, that's what rugby's about when you see, you know, there was stuff to play for on the field. And I think that's sometimes it's tough at the end of the season when you get some games where there's nothing on the line. But then you get a game like this where L.A. looking to try and secure home field advantage for the semi and final Austin playing for their lives, the the spice of the Gilchrist rivalry, but then just the the actual game itself was fantastic. I thought Austin threw the kitchen sink at LA, some amazing defence. Uh, their first try coming off the mall. Uh, I really liked the deception with the double fakes in the middle. To then they did the no lift uh, more at the front, and I thought that was really clever them for to the get off the try. But then LA as well, the response from them to stay in the game. I think they would have been frustrated. They got no points rewards for that early camp down uh, entries to the. Tw- 22, but then to find the way with their own shift drive to get over and get the score. It was a penalty try and it led to a yellow card for the number seven for Austin. And that sort of, you know, simmered the game for, for us in a little bit. They went up 10, seven, but then how about the Billy Meeks try, um, you know, from LA. And I think this is probably when we talk about the game or the themes, I don't think it was the greatest LA performance. I think it was an okay LA performance. I think some of the intensity and the physicality from LA is still needs to be turned up a dial. But the ability to score tries when they need it and score silky tries when they need it, it, it is phenomenal. And this Billy Meeks try, I know there's some haters out there who are going to say, oh, forward pass or potentially offside. But this is the MLR. There's no TMO. There's no way you're calling the bat those tries in real time. So get on with it, mate. And uh, Will McGee, I saw your salty comment on uh, Instagram. I had to give you the salt shaker because it's not what it's about, mate. It's about the the actual rugby and celebrating the code. And this was a fantastic try. It actually comes from LA, really good box up. They put the box up on Austin, Good chase from Ryberg and co. And Austin don't gather the ball. The ball bounced. That leads to McCaffrey gathering it. Seeing that, you know, they're kind of uh, under the pump there. He decides to go rogue and sort of clear it down uh, down the line. But the backfield at LA are dropped back really well. DTH and Gitto are, are, are on, the, on the prowl there, given that opportunity to counterattack. Go up there. Lovely ball from DTH. Gits away, who then finds Meeks. Meeks with the lovely kick over the top to Goddard, who... Questionable if he's onside or not, but in real time they give it, gathers it, gives it to Meeks, and that almost was the Gillies try of the week. If there weren't question marks on the the validity of this try, I probably would have given it because it's so naughty. But I didn't want to give all the, the the you know the salty brigade uh, another go on social of uh, of crying about it. So we'll we'll stick to one of the ones with the silky ones where there's no question marks about. But but I thought this was a massive moment for LA to respond back to bring it to twelve ten. And then, really, this game was back and forth. And both teams had opportunities. But I think LA's ill discipline, their turnover rate, and their inability to really sort of front up sometimes in the defensive sets in the first half allowed Austin to go in at the halftime leading, you know, 17-12. to 12. And from an LA point of view, I was at the game. I'm in the coach's box. I'm a little worried, lads. So I'm thinking this game is not set and done. Um, there's some clear themes that I think LA needed to get right to get back in control in the second half. And, and Todd, you know, that's what they did. As the game went on um, and the game was in the balance, there were some you know big penalties or questionable calls from J.P. Doyle, whether or not you know a pick-and-go through the middle was allowed or not. I think Austin, during the whole game, had done a really good job of consistently going through the ruck because L.A. liked to fight, fan out in defense, so they were getting easy yards in there, which I think was part of their plan. That was unlucky to see that one pulled back. But then... And what is probably the turning moment in the game for me is the Gillies' try of the week, Todd. And the reason is, is the chips were on the line at this point. L.A. were behind, not playing their best rugby. But then up steps, some silky work from L.A. And try was finished by Hayden Goddard of the L.A. Giltinis. And it comes from the deception play at the line-out. It's a four-man line-out from L.A., They dummy the three players going back. That bites in the defensive pod of Austin. They track back. JP Smith at the front. Dummies like he might get the ball at the front. And then what about this from Mahe Vailanu, the hooker, threading that ball in perfectly between that little gap that opens up as three go back and the one goes forward? It creates a little space. Goddard sets through that perfect timing, gets the ball, show and go to finish. And that was such a moment in the game that it swung momentum back to L.A. It allowed them to sort of get reward in the game, get ahead, get their feathers up, and it forced Austin to chase. So for me, that is this week's Gillies try of the week.
1: Enjoy. I mean, overall, it was an awesome, awesome game. You know, it had everything um and it had heartbreak you know you got to feel for austin because they were they had the same record as they have the same record as utah it's just the amount of bonus points that utah have scored if it's either uh you know scoring uh the tries or losing losing less than seven um but that's the that's the difference that's how it goes but uh what a win for la i mean securing that uh home semifinal is is massive and having that opportunity if they win that game, to hosting the final. I know that they, that's the last thing on their mind is hosting the grand final, but hosting that, uh, that semifinal, that Western Conference Championship at the L.A. Coliseum where they've been so good 90% of the time, oh, man, they, they are they, they are looking at their chops and, and, and looking forward to it, I'm sure. Absolutely,
0: and that's what it was about. And it, it really was the second-half fight from L.A. that decided the game. Obviously, that Goddard try was massive. Um, The next try for Ryberg was lovely, uh, you know, out wide, you on a wraparound at the back off a scrum, getting Ryberg on the edge there. Lovely sort of well-worked try, exposing that space on the side there. But it was the defensive sets from L.A. in the second half and the ability to weather constant pressure from uh, Austin, which decided the game for me and is what earned them the win. It was what, as a coaching point of view, I was most happy about the first half was okay. Second half was pretty good from LA. It's playoff footy. It's what it's about. When the game was on the line, they sort of fronted up, but also got to really credit Austin. I think Austin have improved so much this season. I think what they've done this year, um, you know, from going from a team that struggled to ever get any wins in this competition to being a real playoff contender, sensational to building a home crowd and atmosphere. The Gilcrest investment in Austin is definitely made for a positive uptick and they should all be really proud. And then lastly, I thought they controlled a lot of that game. They sterilized L.A. for a lot of the time. And I think their ability to score tries has massively improved. Uh, The the offloading through the line, the tenacity in their contacts, more noticeable in the 22. And I also think McCaffrey at eight is an absolute gem for them and and, and a game-changing player. And, you know, Austin probably most frustrated that they're missing Maggie, Bryce Campbell, and maybe a few others, you know, when they needed them in this big game. This has been a good season from Austin and it should hopefully be, you know, a a kick up the backside from L.A. that the intensity needs to be right at the top if they're going to have a chance uh, in the playoffs. This week's American Rugby show was brought to you by Gilly's legendary Lager. A Lager this crushable doesn't come around that often. Let's find out.
1: I stand by that statement. Round 17, this game had some heat. Utah hosting Atlanta in a sold-out rugby stadium. I mean, again, I say it often. I'll keep on saying it as long as they keep on producing. Utah, game day celebrations, game day activity, they have got it going on. And, you know, the community's engaged, selling out. The crowd was there. But uh, you know what? They got tested at home, and Atlanta took it to them. They came away with a 41-31 victory. Um, I mean, you, you, you're you thinking later in the game, is Utah going to come back? You, you're kind of waiting for it, waiting for it. But I think they're missing their two magic men, uh, Teo and Cruze. But uh, other than that, you know, the whole thing was was great. Atlanta securing that number one seed. Utah, you know, getting that important bonus point to make sure that they're getting in uh, that number two seed uh, before they host LA next week. But on this game, what were your thoughts on this, Corbs?
0: I think it's a great win from Atlanta. To go down there, to be as clinical as they were and to build the score they did, uh, allow them to sort of survive the fight back from Utah, which inevitably was going to come. The belief, the spirit is there. I agree with you. The crowd, the atmosphere, absolutely incredible, commendable. And and, and I think for both teams, it, it was as much as you know Utah would have wanted to win that game. It was sort of mission accomplished as such. I think Atlanta securing uh, top of the East, and then from a Utah point of view, getting that bonus point try means that they, you know, in in second place, Austin can't catch them, and that's a big boost for them. I do think, yeah, Utah up with missing some of their internationals, Teo and Cruz, a massive loss. But then also their two nines in Basca and and the Canadian nine, you know, to play Atlanta without your starting when you're starting halfbacks or even your second choice halfback is a really tough ask because that's probably the team that tests you the most there. But knock knock knock, who got the man of the match for Utah? The third Kisses string, it. The third yeah, string and he scored, I believe, two tries, yeah. and he had an absolute blinder.
1: Man, um, I, was, I was so impressed with that, and 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 we've talked about that. Not to not to get off your rant, sorry, but we talked about you know how you're going to plug in these players that are that second string, third string, and sometimes even bringing in the community to local guys if there's injury prone or guys get shipped off. Can they come in and 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 buy into it? I mean, LA did it when they went down to San Diego. Uh, now you see Utah plugging in. You've seen it from uh, Toronto before, so I mean it's so great to see, and uh, you know congrats to him and and that whole thing. I mean, what a game he had
0: No, absolutely I thought I thought he was no fantastic, two tries um, and if we're going to talk about people had a fantastic game, what about Sammy Malolo? at at Hooker, coming off the bench, scoring a hat-trick, I believe, like, you know, willing his team to secure that playoffs. You know, what a player that guy is. And the fact that he'd only played seven games the season before that, and you see, look how successful Utah have been. Imagine where they would be if he'd been playing for more of those games because he's he's an absolute game-changer around the park. His darts are solid. At scrum time, he's aggressive. Uh, He's an absolute beast of a player. But let's get to the game. I actually don't know how Atlanta scored the first try. I don't know if the feed went out or whatever. I didn't watch it live. I went to watch it on repeat. But the game doesn't start on repeat. It starts at 18 minutes and it's 7 nothing Atlanta. So I, I can't tell you how Atlanta got their first one. Um, but I can tell you their second one is Momsen who scores the try. It's a nice line break from White. And then Petzer puts, uh, puts Momsen away for the try. And, 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 and I think when you look at Atlanta, they're a team that are improving. I think they're a scary proposition for anyone in the playoffs, and especially a final. Their defense, their kicking game, uh, their set piece, the directness and physicality in the 22, it's all there. But the one thing I probably noticed the most from them is their ability to, that, the way they're coming alive of transition. When they actually attack from that halfway line in, the speed, the accuracy they're attacking with, it's really improving. It's going to be really dangerous because they're not just scoring tries of driving more, pick-and-go carries to the corners, their, their, their strike rates, their, using the, the quickness of the wingers, the constant kicking options they have in that team, they're going to be an absolute nightmare uh, to play against because they're adding that sort of ruthless sort of attacking, uh, transition attack to their game plan, which someone like Saracen's added to this style of sort of, you know, defense, kick-chase, set-piece-oriented game, and, and it can become very, very uh, dangerous. And I think that's the thing I probably noticed the most, Todd, was the way that they were scoring those tries.
1: No, I mean as as I said at the beginning, they are a good team. And uh I think everybody's gonna have to do a lot of studying and uh, a lot of uh you know preparation and uh sacking up yeah. if you uh, you know that. I, I, absolutely well cause you look, they put they started a skewer at
0: ten and then now they have uh Kurt Coleman who initiates their starting ten back, he comes into ten, moves a skewer at twelve. You know, the driving mall was operating really well for the Helu try. It's actually a, a maul in their own, on their own. 40. They they go to the tail. They maul in field to the centre of the field. They get a really good result. Van Rensburg breaks off the maul. That then allows a skier to play at 10. He offloads through the line really well. That gets White away, and then that eventually leads to the way that they finish that line break into a try. That's sort of the attack that I'm talking about, which is very very dangerous. And, and then I just think it's the kicking game, the opportunities. Either they kick from behind, they get the ball back, they score. Whether or not they put it up, they compete. They maul, they carries. Uh, Momson, I think, believe had two tries in this game. Um, and then you know the fight back from Utah was there. I think the ability that Utah had to maul a team like Atlanta will you know will show a fair bit. You know that they are a real strength there to handle because Atlanta have very good set-piece defense as well as attack. So I think you've got to take note of Utah there. But I think on a whole, Atlanta got the job done. Utah had their fight back. But the ability to sort of score when the game mattered for Atlanta, which was key, and I think probably is it the Monson try off the kickoff was the big swing yeah. uh, as such in the game. For me, you know, they just score Utah. They get back in the game. Um, you know, it gets to 24 12. You're thinking next score for, for Utah, and this is game on. All of a sudden, you know, they don't gather the kick. It's a good compete from Atlanta on that kicking pod. Ball bounces over the back. They gather, Monson gathers it, and he goes in for the try, and that makes it 31 12. And that's a massive momentum shift, which I think probably secured the win for Atlanta and stopped that Utah comeback at the end as well. And then the try I was talking about where they kick well. That is the white try. And that comes from Kirk Coleman. Midfield chips through. Escura chases, gets the ball back. Uh, white Akia uh, puts that ball away out on the wide. Two white on uh, on the touchline and white scores it. And and that is, you know, I, I'm repeating myself a little bit here, but the transition attack, the putting pressure on you, keeping in your own heart, Atlanta have a blueprint to win this trophy. And it's going to take a good game from someone to sort of nullify the way that they want to sort of bait you into sort of playing in your own half and feeding their game. And it's going to take a real disciplined performance for eight minutes to beat them and knock out rugby.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I know, uh, you know, Utah's definitely wanting that uh, that chance to play them again in the grand final, but uh, there's going to be a lot of rugby played before then. Toronto hosting New England in Atlanta in this round 17 bout. Um, they, were, they got a great victory the week before. They wanted to come back and finish it. This was Toronto's last game of the season, missing a lot of players, wanting in on the high. They did a great job last week, but New England just too good for them, coming away with a 28-17 to 17 victory over Toronto. Corbsey, what were your thoughts on that one? You know, this game was decided by the free Jacks more, and the forwards pack is
0: really the difference between the two sides. And deserves the credit for the win for the Free Jacks. I thought they had some moments, but it was really that toughness in the forwards. You know, the Arrows have been a weathered long season, missing some, you know, some Canadian internationals in that pack. And that's really where the Free Jacks went to work. If you look, the first try is a driving ball from Kotze, the hooker, strong platform, gets it. The next one is a, is a driving ball from Tolitalu, uh, who I thought had a good game as well. Then the try from Barlow actually starts from a driving mall, They get stopped nearby. They eventually play down the short side and score. And then the fourth, the fourth try, which is the third driving mall try, is scored by the number nineteen. And all of a sudden we're at twenty-eight to three, <laughs> you know. And then finally we get to see some rugby from from uh, the arrows, and they actually scored uh, some some great tries. Uh, the first try came from a nice offload from Della Vega. They got over and they scored. And then the second try, sort saw Arrows at their best. Montero with a nice tap, lovely bit of individual brilliance, and finds Toucoulette, who's had a fantastic season for the Arrows uh, and is a real danger I man in the MLR, gets the try. But, you know, the forwards, the graph, the physicality of the free jacks, something that we've touched on throughout the season on this pod, is, is one of their areas of strength and, and you know, a go to platform from Ryan Martin. He loves the trick plays, but they also do the nuts and bolts, the basics really well. And for me, that, you know, credit them, and that's a, that's a great effort and a, 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 and a great win for them to, you know, to roll into what is a last round big game with uh, Atlanta. Even though there's nothing on the line, I think those are two teams that have similar strengths. It'll be exciting to watch.
1: No, 100. percent And I mean, more than this game, it's going into it knowing you're not going in the playoff spot, knowing that you're not having your best players to stay motivated to, you know, finish off their season with a few, a couple good tries. Uh, it, it was great to see. But, uh, you know, it was, it was just definitely not enough and, and they struggled. And hopefully next year they, they come back, they can, you know, get back into the community, stay with their family, stay in their own beds and uh, and come out. But uh, Toronto, well done on, a, on a, staying tough and, and uh, you know, committed to the Major League Rugby. Uh, we're happy to have you for sure.
0: I keep just thinking
1: how good is that first home game back in
0: Toronto going to be hopefully next yeah. season. Like, they're going to be buzzing for it. And uh, I think the league will be you know, well suited. Those trips to Toronto, it's going to add a whole number of wrinkle to the game uh, and, and, and uh, I'm chuffed for them. You know, credit them. I think they deserve a real pat on the back for finishing the season and for the league and to stay in the league and not dropping out or missing a year. I think the ownership group, the coaching, the players deserve nothing but a round of applause because if it wasn't for them, um, you know, it wouldn't be the league that we've had this year. And I think... When you're looking at it, Todd, on a whole, it, what a year we've had. We went from not knowing if we were going to get a season because of COVID or what was going to happen to we've had, you know, 17 uninterrupted rounds and, uh, and we're still going. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah, exactly right. I mean, they could have pulled out like, you know, sort of Dallas did, the Jackals of, uh, you know, what and, – and, and you wouldn't blame them. You know, you definitely wouldn't blame them because of what uh, discomfort that they would have of just being away from it all. No home games, living out of hotel rooms, doing it up. But, uh, you know, what you touched on last, exactly what George Kilbrew, uh, the commissioner for MLR, said, you know, you know what? We have not lost one game to COVID. The protocols, the team management uh, across the league, uh, keeping the players healthy, keeping all the fans healthy, and making sure this league happens, um, man, that's been uh, it's been fantastic and credit for all, lady.
0: I know, man. If only the Lions could take note. The
1: Lions-Africa could take note of the MLR. And, uh, and now it's going down. But I joke, I joke. But uh, <laughs> on to the last game, Todd, shall we? That's it. The last game of round 17, we had Seattle hosting NOLA Gold. And uh, you know what? NOLA Gold, we touched on it too much, probably too much information at the beginning. So sorry, we didn't even say spoiler alert. But Nola, all I need to do is get this last road victory. Coming off a huge win in L.A., uh, going up to Seattle, coming up from second to bottom, you know, team in the in the in the Western Conference, and Seattle just met them with a fury, and uh, you know, just demolished them. Played so well, winning the game thirty to six. Corbs, get in detail with me on this one. Honestly, um, I've been saying Seattle have looked improved for a long time. And I've been trying to
0: say they're going to win a game, but they keep having absolutely shocking first halves that they can't get back from. This time, they finally started well and actually played their second half rugby in the beginning of the game. And They just didn't give Nola the ins, especially the ones that LA gave them. I thought they were a lot more ruthless, Seattle. If you look at their, you know, they kick some penalties at first, get 6-0 up. After 35 minutes, it's a little bit of a stalemate. It gets to 6 3. And then it's James Ma- Malcolm who gets a try right on half time. Foodie breaks the line and, and then he finishes off the try. And, and I think they deserve to be 13 3 ahead. It was a bit of a stalemate of the game. But I think the defense from Seattle, the fact that they're at home with an unrestricted crowd, the atmosphere was there. It looked like Seattle of old. That old sea wall was in action, the crowd was behind them. And then in the second half, they sort of took took control. The J.P. Smith try, who's been an absolute talisman them, back at nine as well. You know, it gets the little, it um, gets the break uh, off the mall, drags that second defender from Nola across because he gets a little bit of width on his breakout from the mall. Soon as he sees that defender's hips turn and go on the outward line, he shows and goes and does not through the two defenders. I thought that was really nice. You know, that got them ahead. And all of a sudden, uh, they're, they're at 27 to six up and then they kick the last three and they solidify it. And for Nola, this is a team that we had high hopes for. They defied the odds on the road. I think, I think they went five from six in their last six road games. And that included wins at LA, uh, you know, and this is a team that, you know, they might have fired their biggest shot, you know, last week against LA and it was just one too many to back it up again on the road, six games in a row. They still have a chance with New York. They'll be gutted from it. They'll think they let an opportunity go. But I think they should look in the mirror and be really proud of what they've achieved as well. I spoke by text with uh, Ryan Fitzgerald, the, the GM there, uh, and I, I think they deserve a lot of credit. I think they're building something special there. They've got team spirit, they've got depth, the ability to go on the road, the, the grit they showed in the win against LA. It just seemed like a little bit of bridge too far for them uh, to go six games on a row on the road, missing nine internationals for the last two to go and get the win they needed this week. And, and I think Seattle as well had so much emphasis to finally get a win, so much behind them. I thought Sam and Manoa had another good game, you know, noticing the move the move there is, is still going. He's looking, you know, the most athletic he's looked in years, which is great to see, and I, I'm a big fan. And I think Seattle will have, you know, a much better season next year. I think there'll be much lessons learned. I think the, the change of coach and everything that happened was only for the better. Uh, And and I also think NOLA will go again next week with their reinforcements back. And I think they'll give New York a tough test. I just don't know if they
1: can do what's needed to get actually into the playoffs. Tough, Tough question, honestly. Do you think they overlooked this game against Seattle and were just looking forward to this decider against New York? Because now they're in a sticky situation and it does not look good for them. But you know what? They had the confidence. They had all the wins, like you said, five in a row on the trot. All they have to do is beat uh, beat Seattle, but then talk about this New York team that they, that they to get that second place. Do you think that was a, a bit of a, you know, in the in the? I think, in the it, I think potentially. I think uh, like
0: maybe a little complacency after beating LA, going into Seattle, seeing them lose game after game, potentially. But on a whole, the difference in this game is when no one will be getting these wins on the road, they've just found a way to stay in games. Even if they like, lose the first half or a team's looking better than them, they're in touching distance of the game, and and against LA they did that well, and that allowed them to rally late and get the tries. What Seattle did really well here is they just built a score. Once you get twenty four, once you get twenty seven six up, twenty to six up, the game's over, and Nola didn't have anything to sort of rally to fight back. And I also think they just ran out of steam. You know, I thought Seattle actually played well. Nola had some inexperience out there with some of the changes, and and I think finally someone punished them for it, and that's kind of it to me.
1: That's your round 17 breakdown. But I want to move this straight into the preview and talk yeah. about Nola and what they need to do because that is the only bit of shade of gray that there is. I mean, there is a chance for them. It's a sliver of a chance, but they put themselves in this situation because they did lose to Seattle. They're playing against New York, the number two C, number two side in uh, in the Eastern Conference, so they have to beat them score four tries, beat them by 20 X plus points by New York. And New York has this to score less than three, less than four tries. What are are the odds?
0: (laughs) I think it's a tough, tough, tall task for Nola. And I don't see them pulling it off. It's potential. They're going to get their reinforcements back. They're going to be some weary legs from two tough games and travel and, and overseas. Um, so I, I just don't know if they'll have enough to topple that. Because you look at New York, they've got Andy Ellis back. They've got Hollingshead. Their pack is functioning well. They're about to get Svedder and Breakley back in the engine room. They've got extra places there if they need it. Faka Balavu on the wing is causing absolute nightmares. You've got Foden at 50. It's going to be a hard team to beat by a bonus point like win without them getting tries too. If you're going to have to take risks. So my honest opinion is New York get the W there. I think it's going to be a gritty game. I don't think New York blow them out because I think Nolan match up quite well against them. I just can't see them tipping the scale and get and, and it being that lopsided, especially being at New York, um, and especially because Nolan have just finished on the West Coast and now they've got to go to the East Coast to play. I, I just think it's t- it's too much all stacked on top of them to, to get it done. If they do it, I'd be the first guy rooting and celebrating for them. But I just think it's a little bit of a bridge too far for them now.
1: No, I agree. With too much experience and game day, you know, smartness, the IQ. I mean, they know they can lose by twenty points. You know, if yeah, you, know you know you can, we, can lose by twenty points, you're never going to lose the game. Just play. Two, no, and know,
0: we know but, New York as well as a team. You know, backs against well. the wall, say they say they're the type of team that if they want to, they can just tackle the hell out. Of you kick everything. And maybe scrub a, a, a six-point win or a three-point loss, but that's enough for them to go through. So I think worst case, New York still have that in the locker, uh, especially at home. So for me, I just yeah, I, I just think it's it's a shame because I think if Noah looked back, there's a few games they they, they should have won, which would have changed their season. That Atlanta game at home, uh, I think they'll kick themselves for a long time losing that one because that could have just changed uh, the whole difference of their season. right here.
1: No, definitely. So I mean that's got to be some that's got to be the East Coast game of the week because there is that sliver of a chance. Let's talk about the West Coast conference West Conference uh, game of the week coming up. It's got to be Utah versus LA. Utah hosting Los Angeles. Uh, Both are going to be number one and two. Uh, It's happening in Salt Lake. I mean, what what's your predictions on this one?
0: I don't know about this game, mate. I think, I don't know what Utah are going to do, but look at it from the outside here. You've got a nothing game at home in theory. So it doesn't change anything in the league for seedings, for the decider. You know you're going to LA the next week, and vice versa for LA. This game going away to Utah at altitude to a big crowd, a place they're good. It doesn't make sense sending all your pieces there either. So I assume both teams are going to put, uh, you know, a more of a second string team at a game out and they're going to play and they're going to both hope they both get through it. And they learn a little bit about the other team. They get no injuries and they have all their best players for the next week. And we see an incredible semi-final Like that is what I think. I think that semi-final is going to be unbelievable. But I think Utah are going to match up so well against NA. I think it's going to go down to the wire and I-, I just can't wait to watch it. I'm nervous as a coach because I've got coach against it. I think Utah uh, Sean Pittman, Sean Davies, they deserve so much credit. They are they are producing so much quality on the field. The off-the-field product fantastic. fantastic. Um, the development and the, and the depth of players are discovering with the select sides, the academy sides, the high school sides, the, the long-term trajectory for Utah is up, up and up. So I think nothing but positives there. And we'll see what happens.
1: I mean, all I heard is you pretty much said they should do a boat race. You know, L.A. have... <laughs> LA have Gillies and then Utah have, you know, glasses of milk, you know, and, you know, 15 down the line, have a good one. Make it virtual so everybody can sleep well and then get ready for this battle that's going to happen at the Coliseum on July 25th. Exactly. Next game, we'll talk about Seattle versus Houston. I mean, what are your predictions going on this one? This is a rubber
0: match, uh, nothing
1: to really play for. Um,
0: I think Seattle get the win. Uh, I just see more positives about their game, still improving. Um, lots going on there. I, I, I just think Houston are, with it being the end of the season, the change in coach coming, the direness of times, of some of the results and the consistency of losing a year on year for them. I just think Seattle will be in a better place because they'll have more sort of going on there. I think it's more positive on the field for them. And my instinct is they just get the win. Um, it's Houston look like they're on their last, on their last knees right now. And I, I just can't, you know, this game could go either way. It was an exciting game the first time they played. Uh, and I think Houston got the win from memory. So I'm going to go with Seattle win. I'm on the fence gotcha. here. I don't really know what to expect, really, but I just think you... Seattle'll have more going for them.
1: I mean, I think all the Seattle people hate you right now. I think coming off their huge win against NOLA, they're ha- they're hosting, they're having the game back at Seattle. The fans are going to come back because they got entertainment last weekend. We saw the old SeaWolves. We want to see that happen. Houston is struggling. Houston's making changes. Those play. I I just I I can't I can't see it. So, but. You know what? Your pick. I'm not the one who's picking. I'm going with shell. <laughs> last game of the last round of 18. We have New England taking on Atlanta. What's going to happen in this game? Is Atlanta going to like put on a full side? Or are they just going to have a practice run through? Or are they just going to this? They already, they already have it all locked up. What are you thinking?
0: Atlanta have a lot of depth. They have a lot of guys back from injury. They have a lot of depth. I assume they're going to rotate. I still think even if Atlanta rotate, they could win because I'm a big fan of their structures, their systems, their style of play, the identity they have. It seeps through their whole culture, and you see it, even if they change players, they're still able to play the same way. So I I think Atlanta are going to rotate a lot, especially because it's road, and they're going to get ready for the home game. I think anyone who's got a niggle or anyone who's iffy, or anyone who's, you know, they too important to miss the next game. Might get pulled back, and they'll play the Free Jacks. You, you, you just, you, you just. I think you the Free L- Jacks win. I think the Free Jacks win, mate. I think the Free Jacks win. I think, I think Atlanta pulled back a bit. I think actually the Free Jacks. They had a competitive game down at Atlanta because their style actually matches quite well with Atlanta, with the same emphasis on some of the set piece, the defence, the kicking. Exchanges, So I think they're quite well prepared for that. The fact they're at home, they've got great form at home, they want to get a home win, um, you know, I, I think they get it done. I, I think Atlanta don't have anything to play for in the same way. They're already secure. I think it could be close, but I think even – a, I think three jacks to topple a chop and change at Atlanta.
1: Interesting, interesting. But you did, you did list. You said anybody with a niggle, anybody this – have you ever played a long season and week 18 you don't have any niggle? <laughs> so. Honestly, I know, I know,
0: mate. I know, I know. It's tough oh, because man. it's like you just want to get to the semi now if you're them, if you're NA, whoever you are, but you've got another game to play. It's, it's the game we play and you can't play or get worried about getting injured or whatever or worry about injuring your players. You've got to go balls out as such. But at the same time, you know, <laughs> this is the game we play. And, and if I'm coach, I would be tactically smart and High, like save all my best pieces for the for when it counts.
1: That's it. Well, that is for the upcoming preview of round 18. Corbis are you legend? You British and Irish lion champion. I mean, how about those guys? Are you going to help them out with some COVID uh, protocol? Uh, I wish I could, mate. I think
0: I think it was ask. Well, I just think America was so grateful to be vaccinated. You know, I'm covering. The British and Irish Lions tour for NBC at the moment. It's fantastic. For everyone listening, if you want to watch every game live and on demand with the British and Irish Lions, you can get it at Peacock TV with this premium subscription. It's $5.99 a month. I think you go to www.peacocktv forward slash rugby. You can sign up now. There's tons of rugby there, tons of other stuff. Absolutely love it. But get back to the Lions. Advert promos over. It's really heating up for the Lions. It's absolutely cracking. The tour is going uh, in South Africa. They've got South Africa A versus the Lions. There's obviously been COVID disruptions there, but it's heating up. It's the best part of my career. I absolutely love covering it. I'm grateful it's on TV in America. I think the Lions, I think they could lose the the A game. The way they've rotated their side, I think it's all going to peak for that final test, uh, for those those three tests. So I think that's going to heat up. My instinct is tomorrow could be tough for the Lions. It, it, they've been going short turnaround, short turnaround playing. Springbok's desperate for game time. I've loaded 11 World Cup winners into that team. You can catch it on uh, Wednesday live on Peacock, or I'll be covering a repeat on NBCSN with Ahmed Farid in the NBC studio. So make sure you check that out. But I think the Lions can win the Test Series, but I think they could lose this game.
1: I'll bet you, Gillies, they don't win it. I'll
0: bet you 20
1: gillies they win it. Deal. Deal. <laughs> oh, 20 frosty gillies. Oh, it's got to be, without a doubt.
0: No, mate, I, mate, it's a pleasure, Todd. Thanks for coming on. Uh, and I just want to wrap this up. You know, we've reviewed, we've previewed, we've debriefed, we've had a bit of chat. It's time to wrap up uh, the round 17 breakdown. And just quickly before we get away, I want to say a big thank you to everyone that supports this pod. To all our die-hard listeners, who come up, who thank us, who say, I love the show. You know, thanks for doing what you're doing. Really enjoy it. So much fun. I love it. This is our sort of social fun time. You know, obviously, you know, you're on TV sort of reporting. I'm presenting with NBC. You've got to be a little bit professional there. Here, it's much more relaxed. It's our own little program. We're in control. We can say what we want. We can have a beer. We can have a laugh. We can share a true opinion. Thanks to everyone that's supporting it. We love this sport. We love our fan base. We're going to keep growing this pod, keep growing it out. Next year, will be even bigger and better as the MLR comes back. But also with the State of the Unions, we're going to keep cracking them out. And, and I'm just really proud of what we've done. And, you know, lastly, a big shout out to one of our special fans who came up and found me at the game. Uh, none other than uh, head coach of the Austin Gilgrave, Sam Harris, came up and said he's a big fan of the pod. So that kind of made my day. Uh, as well and so for everyone it's just from the bottom of my heart Todd, Robs Abby's everyone who's involved thank you so much and just a reminder keep supporting us keep sharing our social media content on Instagram at the American Rugby show on Twitter at the Am Rugby show on YouTube we're at the American Rugby show keep supporting us we're posting content like share favorite retweet comment tell your friends engage with us. Keep growing our following. It's going to get more brands on board. It's going to need more resources to do more and more content to suit to you. So really, really appreciate it. For Todd, for me, that's a wrap from us. We'll be dropping the State of the Union later this week. We'll have some great guests on. The one and only Rob Honeley should be back from his international tour. And uh, we'll have a great laugh. So thanks a lot. And we'll see you again soon. Lastly, a big thank you for this week's show, which was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.